You see that in Scripture, in Scripture, in Scripture, how many of you love your Bibles? We see that in Scripture, God values the use of time. How you use your time is very spiritual. Amen. Sometimes when you hear people talking about time management, we think it's a business seminar. It's not a business seminar. It's something very spiritual. And sometimes we tend to underestimate certain things because everyone has it. Have you noticed that? Your time is a great equalizer. Every single person in the world has been given by God 24 hours in a day. Just think about that. We've all been given 24 hours in the day. The difference is how we use it. The difference is how we use it. So whether you're Barack Obama, Jacob Zuma, Julius Malema, Wimbai Chariga, whoever you are, you've been given 24 hours in a day. The difference between you and me is how we use those 24 hours. People come to me and they say, Paul, how do you manage to do all the things that you do? You've got a coaching practice and you seem to be very, very full in terms of doing that. You're coaching, you're speaking at corporates, you're doing various things, you're pastoring, you're establishing churches, you're writing books, developing material. And you're a husband to a wife who seems quite happy. She's... Um, <laughs> She's training right now. She's not training, actually. She's competing in a race right now in the 5150, the Ekuleni one. As you know, she's a triathlete. So right now, I think she's on her, depending on how well she's doing, <laughs> I think she's actually on the run stage now, okay? She, hopefully, she's off her bike, and she's about to start. Um, she's started her run, yeah, all right? Uh, but the point is, she's quite happy as a wife, and I've got the three boys. And people keep asking me, how do you do it? How, you, how do you do it? How do you do it? And the key thing, ladies and gentlemen, is how I use my time. So I want to share with you from Scripture some principles around managing your time and managing yourself. And today I'm going to give you almost theological foundations around it. And in a couple of weeks, I'll go into some of the practical things. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. The book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. The Bible tells us here, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Now, circumspectly isn't a word we typically use nowadays. How many of you in the last week have used that word? How many of you said, honey, let's just walk circumspectly. All right? We don't typically use it, uh, but it basically means being prudent or being cautious. Okay? So let's be prudent in our use of time. Let's be careful how we use time. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. The word redeem in scripture literally means to buy back, okay, to buy back. In other words, when you've wasted time, when you've had years and years and years of not knowing the Lord, okay, it's important to redeem the time. How many of you are continuously in a mode where you're redeeming the time? Right? right, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This is very powerful. There's a lot of revelation here. I have to redeem my time. Why? The days are evil. In other words, there's a lot of soulish pressure working against you, right? wanting to distract you from the purposes of God in your life. So because of that pressure, because of the strategy of the enemy against me and against my purpose, I have to be watching. I have to walk circumspectly with regards to my use of time. Can you see that? And a sign of foolishness is where you don't use your time effectively. That's why it says, not as fools, but as wise. 
So one of the marks of a wise person is seen in how they use their time, right? But as wise people, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So what is the key to managing your time? Understanding God's will for you. Understanding God's will for you. How many of you have got KPIs at work, right? Key performance indicators, you've got that, or whatever you call them, KRAs, whatever you want to call them, even a job description. How many of you just raise your hands, right? You know what your purpose at work is, right? You know why you are there. And how many of you know that when you know what your purpose at work is, it actually helps you when people try to distract you, doesn't it? But when you don't know what your purpose is, there's no way of measuring whether you're focused on it or not. So it affects your use of time. So there's a relationship between purpose and use of time. Purpose and time management. If you don't know your purpose, if you don't know why you are here, you will not be effective in your use of time. One of the first things to do when you want to help someone to use their time effectively, help them to discover their purpose. How many of you are clear about your purpose? I'm just seeing a few hands only. So this message is for you. So what we often call time management should be called purpose management. Amen? You've heard the phrase before, do not sweat the small stuff. Do not sweat the small stuff. Do not sweat the small stuff. Do not focus your energy on things that are not important. You might have heard the phrase before, keep the main thing the main thing. You know why a lot of us struggle in life? We do second things first instead of first things first. Amen? And those second things aren't always bad things. They're not always sinful things. And that's the enemy's strategy against you and me. It's to get us distracted with things that are not the main thing. Amen? So I wanted to lay that as a foundation and for you to know that time management is very, very spiritual. That's why you find Jesus would say things like, I'm, I do only what I see my father doing. He was very, very conscious and circumspect about his use of time. He only did what he saw the father doing. You hear Moses speaking about this when he says, we don't want to just go ahead unless your presence is with us. Amen. Now, what is interesting for me is some research has been carried out and it's, it's been found that people spend 20% of their time doing what they were born to do. The average person spends 20% of their time, do, of his or her time, doing what they're born to do and the other 80% doing what other people could be doing. Listen very carefully to this. What would happen if that was inverted? What would happen if that was inverted? If 80% of your time you are doing what you're born to do and the other 20% you're doing what you had to do. Again, I'm going to use myself as an example because people will say, but Paul, how do you do all the things that you do? Why am I so productive in what I do? It's because I'm doing what I was born to do. How many of you know that when you do what you were born to do, when you do what you're created to do, that's where there's a flow of God's grace. But if I try to do what you were born to do, if I try to do what Stuart Bishop was called to do, guess what? It would take me so much longer because I'm trying to do what I'm not graced to do. Amen. So it's important to understand that principle. Now, there are time stealers in our lives. And a couple of weeks' time, I'll talk about what those time wasters, time stealers are. But we need to watch and pray and be aware of what those things are because they are there. 
and we need to figure out how to deal with them. Let me ask you a question. How many of you used to play rugby? How many of you used to play rugby? I'm saying used to because I don't know too many people in this church who are currently playing it, okay? They're now injured. Anyway, how many of you just raise your hands? Raise your hands. All right? Awesome. My brother Isha is over there, yes. Obviously, he played rugby. His nickname was Bear at school. All right? <laughs> now, here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing. If someone tackled you in rugby, would you complain about it afterwards? Would you say, it's not fair, coach, it's not fair. Did you see how that guy from that other team tackled me? You wouldn't say that. Why? Because people are supposed to tackle you in rugby and you're supposed to tackle them. So the norm in a rugby game is you should expect that when you've got the ball, someone will come and they will attempt to tackle you. How many of you have ever been rugby tackled at work? Like you're about to give a presentation and someone just comes and they tackle you. Okay? You would, you, you would um, put in a grievance, wouldn't you? You would be like, wait a minute, how would you just come and just take me out like that? And in fact, when someone actually does that to you, you tend to get injured because you're not expecting it. I remember when we played rugby against big teams, we were told, don't worry guys, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. They, they worked on our psychology. So it's normal in a rugby game. It's abnormal in life in general. Now, here's the thing. Do you know why many of us keep complaining about this person just wants a bit of my time and this person is, they want a bit of my time and this person is just doing this and do you know why we do that? Because we don't understand that in life that's expected. It's normal. People will be coming at you. If you're gifted, if you're someone of influence, if you're someone who they value, they will come for your time. So instead of complaining that everyone wants a piece of you, Take responsibility to know how to manage time. Does that make sense? Is that landing? Take responsibility because life is like a rugby game, okay? In the same way that people will come to tackle you, it's normal. People will want a piece of you. And they're not thinking of you. They're not like, I know, Pastor Paul, we know you're very busy, so we don't want you to come and visit us. They're not thinking that. They're hungry for what they want from you. Does that make sense? But it's up to you to have boundaries and to know how to manage your time. If they are part of your calling, if they are part of your purpose, if they are people who God has sent you, you have to be able to minister to them and help them out whilst at the same time doing that for your family, whilst at the same time doing that at your job, at your workplace. Amen. In rugby, if someone comes and they try to tackle you, you have to know how to fall down properly and not fall down and get injured. Amen. So I want to share with you this because people will always want a piece of you. Let's get used to it, folks. So you can't really manage time. Time is constant. You can't really manage time. You have to manage your purpose. Amen. <clears throat> so to redeem your time means to reclaim, to recover, to retrieve, to rescue, and to regain it. Elizabeth George, speaking of how we have to make the most of our time, said, we cannot manage time, we can only manage ourselves. We can only manage ourselves. I like this story um, of a particular lighthouse keeper. A lighthouse keeper who worked on a rocky stretch of coastline received his new supply of oil once a month to keep the light burning. Not being far from shore, he had frequent guests. One night, a woman from the village 
begged him for some oil to keep her family warm. Another time, a father asked for some oil for his lamp to light his way back home. Another friend needed some oil to lubricate a squeaky wheel. Since all the requests seemed legitimate, here's the catch, since all the requests seemed legitimate, the lighthouse keeper tried to please everyone. How many of you are people pleasers here? Right? And to grant all the requests that came across his path. Towards the end of the month, he noticed that his supply of oil was very low. Soon, it was all gone and the beacon went out. That night, several ships were wrecked and lives were lost. When the authorities investigated, the lighthouse keeper was very repentant to his excuses and pleading. Their reply was, you were given oil for one purpose, to keep the light burning. You were given oil for one purpose, to keep the light burning. What's your purpose? What has God anointed you to do? What has God given you energy and resources to do? That's what you must focus your life on. That's where you must pour your virtue, your strength, your power to. Other people will come to you with legitimate cases. Are you doing what you're seeing Father God doing in your life? Are you seeing the video of your life playing and you're saying, today, that's what I'm going to do? Does your tombstone today read, or will it read one day when you die, at, died at 21, buried at 70, if you're a 21-year-old? Someone once said, one of the richest places in the world is the graveyard, because that's where there's so many gifts, so many treasures, but they were never used. Amen? Amen. So let me share with you some principles with regards to time. So what is the nature of time? Firstly, time is an unseen force. It's unseen. You can't see it. How many of you know that some of the most valuable things in life are unseen? Have you noticed that? Think about the power of wind. We can see its impact and its effect. But we can't see it. Some of the most valuable things are unseen. When you're buying a business, part of what you're buying is the brand power. But can you see it? Is it visible? But it's a ma major asset, isn't it, of the business? Very often you'll see, um, a, you know, if you look at a balance sheet of an organization, you might see something there, line item, goodwill. The goodwill of the organization. But can you see it? Is it a tangible a asset? But it's very valuable, isn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, when was the last time you spoke of time as an asset? When was the last time you said, this person is so valuable because they've got lots of time? You see, very often when we've got something that other people have, we don't value it because it's a great equalizer. We've all got time. Amen? I remember speaking to a particular guy and I said, what do you want? What are you looking for? And you know what he said? He's a golf coach who spends a lot of time coaching people. And at that time in his life, his income was just based on his time. And I said to him, what are you looking for? What do you want to do? And he says, you know what I want, Paul? I want time. That's what I want. I want time. How many of you can feel me on that one? You just want time. That's what you're longing for. 
you can redeem the time. I'm going to show you how you can redeem the time. Where sometimes you feel like there are not enough hours in a day. The problem isn't the hours in a day. The problem is how you're managing those hours in a day. I'm shocked by how inefficient a lot of people are. Because where they're complaining that the traffic, the traffic, the traffic, oh, it takes me two hours to get to Joburg. They're complaining about that. And I'm sitting in my car and I'm thinking, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the space I have to pray for people. Amen? I thank you for the space I have to listen to this message I've been needing to listen to. So for one person, they see it as killing time. They see it as a waste of time. For someone else, they're seeing it as this is an opportunity for me to invest in this time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That you can either kill time or you can spend time or you can invest time. I think I've shared with some of you before, there was a time when I was going to watch Samuel play cricket a couple of years ago um, in Bryanston. He doesn't play cricket anymore. Uh, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right? You know what I'm talking about. When you go and watch your son playing cricket, what happens? You're not really watching your son playing cricket, right? You're sitting and waiting for him to bat. Right? And then if he goes out for a duck, you're like, what is, what is that all about, folks? <laughs> right? So I was going to watch him. He had already gone ahead to Bryanston with the school bus from Centurion, right? And then later on, I was now traveling with Daniel, my youngest son, and we were there in the car, and Daniel was just talking and talking and talking. And sometimes I was confused. I was wondering, like, is he talking to himself? Is he talking to me? And I remember the Holy Spirit challenging me. Paul, you can see it either as killing time with Daniel, or you can see it as investing time into Daniel's life. Where a lot of us lie is, I'm just spending time with Daniel. I don't want to just spend time with Daniel. I want to invest time in Daniel. I don't understand people who will say to me, Paul, I'm killing time. Hey, I'm bored. Hey, I was so bored. I don't understand that. I remember growing up, we had a family friend. And when his kids would say, Dad, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. He would say, oh, what a silly child. He would say, oh, what a silly child. Because that means you're not being creative. Amen? And so I made a decision that when I have time with my kids, I'm not going to be killing time with them. I'm not going to be spending time with them. I'm going to be investing time. Amen? The second principle, we're talking about the nature of time. Time is an equally distributed resource to everyone. So no one was born with more time than other people. You know, sometimes you can say that person has an unfair advantage. They've got lots of money. They were born with money. They inherited lots of money. Or they're born on the right side of the railway track. Or they, they went to that wonderful school. You can say that. But when it comes to time, we've all been given 24 hours in a day. Thirdly, time is constant. We know that. I know sometimes you feel like, oh, the time went quickly. But how many of you know that one hour when you were a small child... When you are one year old and one hour when you are 43 year old, it's actually the same. But it doesn't feel like it, does it? All right? But time is constant. And then next, our perception of time often differs. Often differs. Sometimes when I'm waiting for people, it's actually the most glorious time. Sometimes I'm disappointed when they arrive. Why? Because I've said to myself, instead of being irritated that this person is always late... I'm going to take that time I have as a gift, a gift to catch up and call someone. 
Often when I'm coaching people, I'm coaching a whole lot of people back to back. Often my days, some of you don't know this, but I can have 11 or 12 sessions back to back where I'm coaching people all day. No lunch break. Okay? And then in the evening, I'm counseling couples. <laughs> okay? Sometimes my days can be like that. But you know what? When someone then is late for a session, they're apologizing, apologizing, and I'm saying, no, thank you. I needed the break, and I managed to make one or two phone calls. Amen? So our perception of time very often differs. What you call a long time, someone else it as an opportunity. Sometimes you feel like, I just don't have enough time, while someone else feels like, what am I going to do with my whole day? The people who say, what am I going to do with my whole day? You know what the problem is? They haven't figured out their purpose. Let me tell you something. When you've got a God-sized vision and you've figured out your purpose, you will always have something to do with your time. Amen? Right now, we're working on a particular book. It's come back from being edited from the manuscript. It's called Apostolic Technology. It'll be out in the next few weeks. Very powerful book. It's about how to establish churches and how to establish people um, with territorial governing influence in regions. So it's come back. So I'm now working through that book. It's going to be the longest book we've done. Okay? When it's there in A5 format, it'll be about 700 pages. But it's very, very powerful. So guess what I'm doing? Every moment I have, my wife looks at me and she's like, you're, you're very focused. You're, are you going to get out of your study type of thing, right? So while other people are, are binge watching TV programs and so on, I've got a goal. I know what my purpose is. And so I'm going through that material so that the book is done and I've got a deadline. Are you hearing me? There's what's called Parkinson's Law. How many of you know Parkinson's Law? Right? It's named after the guy who spoke about it. Parkinson's Law is basically this you will use up whatever amount of time you are given to do a particular thing, right? Whatever amount of time has been allotted to a particular piece of work, your work will expand to fill that time. Are you hearing me? Right? So if you're told you've got a half-day job, guess what you're going to do? You're going to do a lot of work in that half-day. Just be careful of half-day jobs, those of you with half-day jobs. Because you'll find yourself working and producing even more than the people who are working full-time. Why? The people who are working full days, they just spread out their work for the time allotted to them. You know what I'm talking about. I was coaching someone recently at one of the banks who works half day. She's extremely efficient. She doesn't have long coffees and teas and so on. You know what I'm talking about. You can say, I work 8 to 5, Pastor. I work 8 to 5. But the first 45 minutes, you're catching up with people. And then you start doing your work. Then you have a one, hour, one and a half hour long lunch break. You know, not, not you guys. I'm talking about people. The people who watch this message via the internet, not us. Because we're go people, aren't we? You know, like Pastor Vim said, we're cool. <laughs> Amen? That's called Parkinson's Law. That's why you will find a lot of teams. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered why your favorite team does so well and scores so many goals in the last few minutes of a game. Have you ever wondered about that? You see it in soccer, you see it in basketball quite a bit, right? Just look statistically at how many goals are scored in extra time. We were on the, uh, we were victims of that yesterday, okay? 97th minute. Ever heard of that? 97 minutes. Anyway, um, but the point I'm making is that it's because in the mind of that sports person, 
I've only got a little bit of time in order to accomplish something great. So what do you do when you've only got a little bit of time? You use it well, don't you? Right? And so that's the, that's the principle there. The next one is that we often give power to time. We often give power to it. So we end up believing certain myths like time heals all wounds. Have you ever heard that? Time heals all wounds. Time doesn't. I know many people who've become more bitter with time. Time doesn't heal all wounds. It's what you do with the time that will bring healing. Ah, no, yeah, yeah, time will tell. Time will tell. No, sometimes you have to be proactive and ask the right questions, and then time will tell. But it's through what you do with your time. Amen. Okay? Now, there are two major ways of looking at time management. There's what we call conventional time management and what we call inner time management. Conventional time management is where you say, at 8 o'clock I do this, at 10 o'clock I do that, at 12 o'clock I do this. All right? That's conventional time management. And many of us are good at that. But we have what we call inner time management that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Inner time management is, how was I feeling when I was doing that particular thing? Okay? And many times we do things at the wrong time of day. Have you noticed that? Right? So you'll find with a lot of people, it, late in the afternoon, 3.30 p.m., when lunch is way back there and supper is way ahead there, then you want to do this intellectually taxing piece of report. Right? And you know that that's not the best time for you. I remember what used to happen to me. I was a bit of a night owl, and I had this thing of, I can't go to bed until I finish this piece of work. Right? And then my wife said to me at a certain point, I think you should be going to bed a bit earlier. Why don't you try going to bed a bit earlier and then waking up earlier and you'll find yourself more productive. And I took her advice and I realized that things that were taking me three hours to do in the middle of the night there, you know, half asleep, right? I was finding that if I woke up early and did the same thing, it could take me half the time. That's called inner time management, right? Where do you peak? Where do you peak? Are you a good morning person? Are you a good night person? Right? Are you fitting in the right activities at the right time of day? So inner time management is about monitoring your energy levels and determining how to prioritize your activities. And then the next thing I want to tell you about the nature of time is that your use of time will determine your productivity. Your use of time will determine your productivity. You know what the sad thing is? The sad thing is a lot of people are very efficient, but they're efficiently doing the wrong thing. You don't want to just be efficient, you want to be effective. Remember, effectiveness is about doing the right thing. Efficiency is about doing things right. I don't know about you, do you remember um, the story about this jungle, one of the African jungles? And there are these guys, and I mean, they were just brilliant in terms of, you know, uh, a reforestation program, and, you know, they're chopping down certain trees and so on. They were doing various things, right? And then there's this helicopter that comes down after some time, and the guy basically says, sorry, wrong jungle, all right? They were very efficient in what they were doing, and that's what managers often are like, you know, good managers, very efficient, but a leader will come and will tell you about being effective. Amen? So don't just be good at managing your time. Manage your time aligned with the right purpose. Amen? Some of you right now in your lives, you're very efficient, but you're efficiently doing the wrong thing. So let's have a look at what the Bible teaches about managing our time. 
The first principle, and we've covered it a little bit, is this. We ought to be wise in our use of time. In Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17, God has called us to apply wisdom in how we use our time. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So you can impress people when you go to work on Monday and say, guys, don't walk circumspectly. And then just test them because they'll act like they know what you're meaning. Yes, 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 boss. Mm. <laughs> and they'll go and look it up later. Okay, B, there's a relationship between using time productively and knowing God's will for our lives. And I've mentioned that to you earlier on. And we see that there in verse 17. Understand what the will of the Lord is. A lot of us, we understand God's general will, don't we? We've got a sense of like, I think with my life, I think this is what the Lord would want me to do. But how many of you ever visualize what you want your day to look like? Like what you want tomorrow to look like? You see, dreaming is not just about the future. You can also dream about today. Amen? You can also visualize, this is what I want my day to look like right now. I might have shared with you guys some time ago, but often I will visualize my day. I'll visualize my day. So people will come to me and say, Paul, the way you dealt with that situation, I would have reacted. I would have just been so frustrated with that individual and spoken words to him that I would have regretted. How come you dealt with that person so calmly? What actually happened? And then I want to say to these people, it's because I was just pressing the replay button of a video I'd already played many times over. Because often I'll start off my day and I will literally be saying to myself, I am a joyful person. I will see myself speaking to a group of people. I'll see them laughing at my jokes. I see myself responding with curiosity when someone is speaking to me mockingly, right? Jesus said, what did Jesus do? He says, I, did on, I do only what I see my father doing. And I'm telling you right now, unless you proactively pre-decide how your day is going to be, you'll be thrown off by so many things. Why? The Bible says, for the days are evil. And what the, what the enemy often does is he studies your past. He studies your past. You see, he's not omniscient. Only God is omniscient. Only God knows all things. But the enemy is quite smart and he studies what triggered Fazai in the past. What annoys her? What will make her angry? What will make her want to pummel someone? Huh. Let's create a circumstance where that's likely to happen. Unless you're proactively dreaming about what your day is going to look like, it won't happen. I remember recently I was in a situation where I was coaching all day at one of the banks and I was going to a sports event. Uh, it was athletics, inter-schools athletics, later on. And my kids were going to be there. And I said to the people, you know what, as I get onto the highway, I'm going to literally visualize what I'm going to be doing. What is God's will for me while I'm at the athletics? How does he want me to be? I'm feeling physically exhausted. But I saw myself cheering on one of my boys who I had disciplined the night before. Right? Reinforcing to him that your dad loves you unconditionally despite what happened the night before. And what happened the night before stays at home. What happened the night before. <laughs> Okay, but the point I'm making is I saw myself in that situation. Don't just dream about your future, dream about today. Amen. Okay, that's God's will. 
So there's a relationship between using time productively and knowing God's will for our lives. C, the need does not always constitute the call. This is so liberating for many of us. The need does not always constitute the call. Your calling isn't always based on the needs around you. You will never be able to meet every single person's need. Amen? And some of you think you're being humble and you're being there for everyone and so on. Then your family suffers because you've got no boundaries. I'll talk about boundaries in a couple of weeks. Okay? Just because there's a need around you, it doesn't mean you are the one who's called to meet that need. Amen. And I'll show you this in the life of Jesus. For those of you who are not convinced, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 34. Ladies and gentlemen, I've seen it in many families. Sometimes it's actually a form of pride. How many of you have always been the provider for everyone? You know, I will sort you out. And there's a form of pride there where we want to be superwoman for everyone. It's not always the right thing. Because sometimes you're not able to. Sometimes you're not able to. And part of self-awareness is being aware of your limits. Being aware of your limits. Mark 6, verse 30 to 34, it says here, And the apostles gathered themselves to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. In other words, they were accountable for their use of time. Jesus had sent them out on a mission they came back and they reported back, this is how we've used our time. This is what we did and this is what we taught. Have you noticed that accountability gets you to a place in your life where you're using your time well? Because you have to give feedback. Many of you go through the day and if we were to come to you and say, so what did you do today? How did you spend your weekend? For some of you, it's a blur. For some of you, you've forgotten. For various reasons. There are various reasons why people forget what they did over the weekend. Amen? Hopefully it doesn't apply to any of you in this room. Right? For many people it's a blur. But we see in scripture we must be accountable for our use of time. Why? We are stewards of the time that God has given us. I see my time as a gift. There are many people who've died prematurely. But the time God has given me, it's actually a gift. But I must be able to say, this Lord is how I used my time. Amen? This Lord is how I used my time. And it goes on to say, so they shared what they had done and what they, were, and what they taught. And he said to them, come aside into a deserted place and rest a little. Say to the person next to you, rest a little. You see, when I talk about managing your time, I'm not saying just work, work, work and never rest. I'm talking about chunking your time. One of the powerful things in terms of time management is chunking your time. Where you know for every 90 minutes in a day, this is what I've allocated that 90 minutes for. Amen? And sometimes you might allocate that 90 minutes for rest. You might say, you know what guys, from 8 o'clock to 9.30 on, a on this Saturday morning coming up, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to be vegging. How many of you know that for some of us here, we have to discipline ourselves not to be doing anything? I know a guy who, who I coach who's always renovating houses. And I thought to myself, I'm going to coach him around that particular thing. Because literally he'll buy a house and do it up. And I asked more than two questions deep. You must always ask people more than two questions deep. And I said, how do you feel about yourself when you're not doing anything? And we started to explore various issues. 
And one of the things he said was, you know what? My wife gets along well with my son, so they connect. And I said, well, how do, they, how do you feel? How do you feel when you are not doing anything and you're trying to connect with them? And I started seeing that there might have been intimacy issues just in terms of connecting at an emotional level where he didn't feel adequate. And so the way he would end up spending his time is, I'm more productive if I'm doing stuff. So his identity was in the doing, not in who he is in Christ. Because he might not know Christ. Amen? For some of us in this room, we just have to know how to be. That just you and Jesus alone, that's enough. Amen? Christ is enough for me. And so I find it very interesting that Jesus actually said, guys, let's go to a deserted place and let's rest a little. So don't overdo it. <laughs> hey, the pastor said I must just veg. So this whole weekend is for vegging. All right. Jesus says, let's rest a little. For there were many coming and going, and they had no opportunity even to eat. How many of you forget to eat? You know who you are. Yeah, you forget to eat. It's funny, that's the thing people are quite proud of in church. They'll lift their hand for that. How many of you are eating all the time? No hands go up. <laughs> okay, just a couple of honest people. <laughs> CD, where does it all go then? <laughs> okay. Um, here's a principle. Here's a principle. Very often when people come to you, you must learn to say no. Say to the person next to you, no. Just say no. Some of you have to include that word in your vocab, just being able to say no, okay? And very often it's not a straight no with people. Often it's actually not yet. Sometimes it's not me, right? Sometimes it's let me show you who to go to. And when you've scripted it for yourself, it's so powerful the effect it has. When you've already got an answer, that in cases like this, this is what I'm going to tell people, all right? Now watch what happens. It says, And they departed by boat into a desert, deserted place. And the crowd saw them leaving, and many who knew him, and many knew him. And they ran together on foot there. So it obviously took them a bit of time to get there, okay? Out of the cities. And they went before them and came together to him. And going out, Jesus saw a large crowd, and he was moved with compassion. You know what compassion does? When you've got compassion for people, there's grace to minister to them right? It's very difficult ministering to people when you don't love them. And he moved with compassion toward them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things, okay? So Jesus was not moved by crowds. Crowd is there needing him. He was still able to say, guys, let's go to the other side. For some of us, what will we do? The crowds come, honey, family, please just understand the crowds are here. This is my time. And we go. And then we burn out. And just remember, one of the pillars of burnout is exhaustion. Another pillar of burnout is cynicism. When you mix cynicism with exhaustion, very often it results in burnout. You can be exhausted but not burnt out. You can be cynical but not burnt out. But that combo is lethal. Cynicism and burnout. And cynicism and exhaustion. Amen? So watch out. Be careful of stinking thinking. D, our activities should be ultimately directed by the Father's will. 
In Mark chapter 1, verse 32 to 39, it says, And at evening, when the sun set, they brought all those who were diseased to him, and those who had been demon-possessed, and all the city had gathered at the door. So you're complaining about those five friends of yours that are always bothering you. Look what Jesus was experiencing. All the city had gathered at the door. <laughs> at the door. Not in the city hall. At the door. <laughs> and he healed many who were sick of different diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Watch this. And rising up quite early in the night, he went out and went away where? Into a deserted place. How do we manage our time effectively? Always have that place where you retreat. Always have that place where you say, you know what? I need to withdraw from my day job. I need to withdraw from people. Even if you're an extrovert. Even if you're that person who likes people. How many of you here like people? You're, very, you're a people person. Taffy. Guys, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, guys, to be honest with you, I'm also a people person. But because my life is always with people, often I don't like being invited to things. I'm just saying. Often I don't like being invited. You know, there's some people who complain when they don't get invited. Hey, how come I was the last one? To, hey, how come I... Often I don't like being invited because when I'm not invited, it's like, phew, I've got space to recover. I've got space to recover. Please, those of you who've recently invited me to stuff, thank you. I feel honored. <laughs> I'm thinking of Sipa. I'm looking at Sipa and it's like, ah, okay. I feel honored. But the point I'm just making is for us to be effective in what we do, we have to have those moments where we go to a deserted place. I still remember in my varsity days in the 90s, I was always like with people and people were always at my place and I was always with people. And I remember at a certain point, feeling sad when I went to visit one of my friends and I saw that they weren't there at their digs. And I felt the sadness and the Lord convicted me. I remember it was in about 98, 99. And he says, am I not enough for you? And he started showing me that, Paul, you have to learn to enjoy your own company. And I don't know if I prayed strong prayers at that point, but I really enjoy my own company. <laughs> okay. Now watch what happens. It says he went out and went away into a deserted place. And what was he doing? He was praying there. And Simon and those with him searched for him. And finding him, they said to him, all are seeking you. Now, if you are told today, hey, everyone is looking for you. Hey, everyone is looking for you. Malope, everyone is looking for you. What will you do? Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. okay, yeah, let's see. Uh, what did Jesus do? It says, all are seeking you. And he said to them, let us go into the next towns so that I may proclaim there also. The need doesn't constitute the call. Let us move on from this place, despite the fact that everyone is seeking me. For some of you, God is calling you to move on from what you've become familiar with. To move on from that familiar circle of friends that you always just hang out with, but they never challenge you. I often say to people, if I can't pour into your life and you're not adding value to me, then what are we doing? We're wasting each other's time. For some of you, God is stretching you and he's saying, initiate new relationships. Nurture new relationships. I'm taking you to another level. Yes, 
the old usual suspects are seeking you out, but maybe it's time to actually spend your weekends differently. Maybe it's time to connect with that person who you've always been intimidated by and you've been rejecting yourself before you can be rejected. Sometimes I speak to people and I say, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? And they say, in that corner office over there. And I say to them, are you interacting with those people? And they say to me, e, Paul, they're at another level. I've got my boys. I've got my boys. You've just shown me you'll never get there. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. For some of you, God is wanting to reestablish your alliances. And Jesus here saw that there were these people who were looking for him. And what did he say? He said, let us go to the next towns so that I may proclaim there also. And can you see what happened straight afterwards? What does he say? For that reason, I came forth. Some translations will say, for that is why I am here. He knew his purpose. And because he knew his purpose, he could determine his use of time. Amen. If he didn't know his purpose, you know what will happen? Oh, do the crowds want me? And he starts to follow the crowds. And one weekend you're doing this. Another weekend you're doing that. Another one you're like, oh, I'm going to spend four hours with my family doing this. Yet you should just be spending one hour with them. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are spending a few hours with people you should only be spending a few minutes with? Let's think about that. How many of you are spending a few hours on the weekend with people you should only be spending a few minutes with? The converse is true. How many of you here are spending a few minutes with some people you should actually be spending a few hours with? If you want to see people who really become effective in life, you see it in their use of time. The secret to greatness is hidden in your daily routine. If there's someone out there that you admire and you feel like, wow, they've accomplished so much great stuff, let me tell you something. The secret to greatness is hidden in their daily routine. Just ask them one day. Just ask them one day. What do you do on a daily basis? What do you do on a daily basis? I was speaking to Sipo the one day and he asked me that question, the, the younger Sipo, asked me that question. We're driving along and he says, what's your use of time? What do you do from the moment you wake up? Amen? The secret to greatness is hidden in your daily routine. So he says, for that reason I came forth. And then what did he do? He says, and he proclaimed in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out demons. For some of you, God is calling you to go throughout all Galilee. It's now your time. It's now your season throughout all Galilee but you're still enamored by the familiar. One of the things I find interesting is often you see people at these gatherings, these social gatherings, and they'll spend three or four hours or five hours there at these social gatherings, having small talk with people, right? And then there's always this one person who plucks up the courage to actually leave. And they always have to have an excuse. Have you noticed that? Hey, sorry guys, I just need to fetch my son from a play date. And then what does everyone else do? Am I parking you in? Am I parking you in? Okay, yeah, I think I'm also going to go now. And the question I've always had is, at what point did all these people want to leave? And then I challenge people on this and I say, why don't you just go when you need to go? Why don't you just be like me where I'll say to people, guys, it's been real, it's been great. And I would have had the quality time for that hour. 
But then now I'm working on something else because my purpose is compelling me. My purpose is determining how I use my day. Amen? Here's the principle. Many of us respect people enough so we don't cancel on them. So I will say, sorry, I cannot meet you today. I've got a meeting with Sipo. Because I respect Sipo, I can't cancel on him. How many of you respect yourself enough to keep appointments with yourself? Sorry, I can't meet with you today. I just need some me time. Without feeling guilty. Sorry, I can't meet you today. I'm just reading that book that Paul recommended. Because the best gift I can give the people around me is my own personal development. Jesus was able to leave his disciples, to leave the crowds, go to a deserted place and be by himself and not feel bad about it. Some of you, God is calling you to that deserted place, but you never do that because you're a people pleaser. My desire to accomplish and fulfill what God has called me to accomplish and fulfill is bigger than my fear of your rejection of me. Amen? E. There is a time for everything. So we're talking about seasons. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 to 8. This is a scripture we're all familiar with. Many of us should be. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pull up what is planted. What happens if you try to harvest during sowing time? Or if you try to sow during harvest time? You have a problem. You have a problem. And that's why Jesus said we must be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times and the seasons. What season are you in right now in your life? There's a time for everything. F. God has timing for certain things. In Galatians 4 verse 4, very powerful, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. So God in his sovereignty does certain things at a certain time. But in addition to that, there are certain things he does after we've fulfilled certain requirements. So there are times when God is testing you and is waiting to see, have you passed certain tests? How many of you know that you have to have passed your matric in order to go to university? So you can pray and pray and pray when you're in, standard, when you're in grade 10. You can be praying and praying and praying, Lord, I pray for an acceleration anointing that I enter that university. Pastor, please lay hands on me, spirit of acceleration to enter that university. It ain't going to happen until you've passed certain tests when you're in grade 12. Amen? So there are things God does in his own sovereignty. There are other things that he will do in your life after you've fulfilled certain requirements. Could it be that you're praying for a certain breakthrough, but God is just waiting and he's saying, have you fulfilled certain requirements? 
See, God wants us to pray with, in, with intelligence, where we seek his face and we say, Lord, I want this in my life, but can you reveal to me what I need to do in order to get to a place where I qualify for that thing? Amen? And when you start praying like that, it's amazing the results you actually get because God tends to speak to us in answer certain questions that we ask him. I find it amazing when you look in scripture, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. What does the fullness of time look like in your life right now? Maybe you're praying for a husband. Maybe you're praying for a wife. What does the fullness of that time look like right now? See, what often happens is we sometimes are waiting for God. And we're like, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm just waiting on the Lord. But if we could hear what heaven was saying, heaven is saying, well, I'm waiting for you. Because there's certain areas in our lives where God wants us to be proactive. To activate certain things. There are things you can do from earth that activate heavenly activities. Amen? G, we ought to conserve our energy levels by responsibly delegating certain activities. We ought to conserve our energy levels by responsibly delegating certain activities. And we see this in Exodus 18, verse 17 to, to 24. And Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Now, was Moses doing anything bad? He wasn't doing bad stuff, but he wasn't being efficient with his use of energy. He was trying to counsel everyone. He was judging the affairs of everyone. And I believe, influenced by the Holy Spirit, his father-in-law Jethro labels it as, what you're doing is not good. How many of you know that there's certain people we need to be pulling out of the kitchen and actually saying to them, sit down, what you're doing is not good. But it's good. I'm serving everyone. What you're doing is not good. Sit down. Amen? For some of you, that's a word right now. Ask yourself, what do my children need from me that only I can give them? Then give them that, the rest you can delegate. What does my wife need from me that only I can give her? Let me give her that. Other things can be done by other people. Amen? So Jethro said, what you're doing is not good. You will surely wear away. You will what? You will surely wear away. Some people's self-awareness is so low, they can't see the fact that they're wearing away. They can't see the fact that, yes, they're doing a million and one things, but they're not nice to be around. <laughs> it's not nice to be around them. <laughs> Amen? You know those people who are very super organized, but they don't understand, why are my children always just acting out like this? What's going on? And I say, they're just absorbing you. They're just absorbing you. They're just absorbing you. He says, both you and this people that is with you, they will wear away. For this thing is too heavy for you. Are you aware right now of the things that are too heavy for you? This is inner time management. There are a lot of people, and it's usually a particular personality type, that overestimate their strength. You know those people who are always canceling on everyone? Why? 
because they overcommit. So you look at their to-do list for the week, and they've got a million and one things. Then as the week goes by, they're canceling on everyone. You're like, why did you put this down on your to-do list in the first place? And then the following week, the same cycle continues. And then he says, you are not able to perform it alone. So he was doing good stuff, but unfortunately, he was the only person doing it. Are there other people who are longing to assist you in what you have to do? I would love this church to have many more marriage counselors. I would love this church to have many more people who are counseling. That's why we're putting a counseling um, system in place. Because at the moment, we've just got a few people who are counseling. Amen? We've got many of you who've come for counseling training. Few of you who are actively counseling. You know what I'm talking about. We've got many of you who've come for evangelism training. I don't want to make judgments now, but few of you who are doing it. So he says, you're not able to perform it alone. Is the Holy Spirit saying that to you this morning? Are there certain things you're doing where the Lord is saying, you know what, delegate to your kids more? There's certain chores where we said to my, I said to my wife, we said to each other, the kids could be doing this. Yes, yes, they can actually do it. I was so proud of Samuel the one day where he came to me and says, Dad, can I help you with that? I thought to myself, yeah, he technically speaking can. But you see, often we don't allow our kids to help us because we focused on efficiency. No, let me just do it. It'll be quicker and faster and better and easier for me. Don't have time to train you. <laughs> okay? He goes on to say, listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel. And God will be with you. You be for the people toward God, that you may bring the causes to God. You, and you shall teach them ordinances and laws. And you shall make them know the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. In other words, delegation. And you shall look out of all the people. So there were qualifications for who you delegated to, right? Able men, such as fear God, men of truth. Who's the man of truth here? Yes, Jimmy definitely is. Men of truth, hating unjust gain. And place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds. So some can rule thousands. Some can be a ruler over just hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. And it shall be every great matter they shall bring to you. You know, some of us never do this because we think we're being arrogant, right? Come on, as leaders, we think we're being arrogant. Like, hey, guys, I'll just deal with, with a, a few difficult cases. You guys just, you know, do the run-of-the-mill stuff. People struggle with it because it feels like you're being arrogant. But this was the advice Moses was given. And it shall be every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall judge. That'll be so nice. Every difficult marriage counseling case, Paul, you can deal with. And then the smaller ones, the smaller nana ones, others can deal with. How many of you would like that? Okay, I would. And make it easier for yourself. There's nothing wrong with making things easier for yourself. How many of you need things to be easier for yourselves? <laughs> okay. And they shall bear with you. If you will do this thing 
and God command you, then you shall be able to endure. In other words, you shall be able to do things for the long haul, not just for two years. And all these people shall also go to their place in peace. There'll be peace for everyone all around. And Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. H. We should not take the time we've been given for granted. In the book of Psalms 90 verse 12 and Psalms 39 verse 4, look at this. So teach us to number our days. What is numbering your days? What does that mean? To measure our days. To know that our days are limited. We're not going to be on earth forever. You know, some young people kind of just think that, hey, you know, I'm here to say, to stay. Nothing can happen to me. If you were told that you've only got 90 days left to live, how would you live your life? How would you live your life? If you were told you've only got 90 days left, we'll do things very differently. Lord, teach us to number our days. Why? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. We become wiser with our use of time when we know that, when we know that time is a limited resource. How many of you have had situations? We see this. If you're in a blended family situation and you're not staying with all your kids, right? And then you only have that child you had from before. You know where I come from, they say, yeah, anyway, they've got a term for it. But anyway, that child you had from before, right? is now staying with you during a particular vacation. What do you do? You've only got two weeks with that child. There's a way you are, isn't it? Come on, those of you in those situations, people are nodding. There must be a number of people in those situations, right? But when you've got a child all the time and you're always seeing that child, sometimes we forget that, wait a minute, I had a conversation with my wife recently when we realized that for our kids, we've got fewer years left with them. Fewer years left with them than we've had with them. Then that becomes a wake-up call because now you go home, it's a Sunday afternoon. You're not just thinking, hey guys, you do your thing, I do my thing. You're actually thinking, wow, I've just got this window to pour into them, to shape them. Because at 18, 19, they might be deciding, I'm out of here. Although I was talking to some people recently, they were saying kids are changing nowadays, they don't want to leave home. <laughs> <laughs> it says in Psalm 39 verse 4 O Jehovah make me to know my end and the measure of my days what it is I know how frail I am and then finally I we all have to give an account for how we used our time on the earth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now you all understand that there's the white throne judgment, right? There's the white throne judgment that as a believer you're not really involved in, right? Because Jesus took on your judgment for you. You understand that? But as a believer, you are involved in the judgment seat of Christ where we are now rewarded for what we did with our time, with our talent with our treasure. And it's interesting because it says here, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive the things done through the body according to that which he has done, whether good or bad. This is where you are rewarded. 
In Romans 14, 10 to 12, it says, But why do you judge your brother? Or also, why do you despise your brother? For all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each one of us will have to do what? Will give account concerning himself to God. Ladies and gentlemen, the next hour, how you use it, both you and I are going to have to give an account. One of the things that has helped me so much is understanding that time is a gift. And I can choose in the next 90 minutes what I do with my time. Is it going to be worship unto the Lord? Is it going to be worship unto the Lord? Or is it going to glorify the enemy? Amen. See, God is taking us to a place. And Paul, you can come up and you can do your thing. God is taking us to a place in our lives where we're like consultants. You know how consultants have billable hours, right? There are some people I was coaching and they came from a consulting firm. They were at Accenture. And then they moved to a normal organization, a normal corporate. And they said it was quite an adjustment for us, Paul. It was an adjustment for us because we were used to being efficient in how we use our time because we are working with billable hours. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But now we see that people are relaxed about time. Oh yes, I'll do it. Oh yes, I'll do that. I find myself each week facing this. Because I'll have people saying to me, Yes, Paul, for that training you're going to do for us, can you please come in for a meeting just to meet our boss? And I'm thinking to myself, that training you're talking about is very simple. We can just have a telephonic. I don't have time to just go and have a nice chat with your boss about training that might happen or might not happen or training that's very simple to talk about over the phone. Money is time. Time is money. For some of you, you've been distracted by the enemy and you've become wary. You've become exhausted. I want to release you this morning. Just do what you're seeing the Father doing. Many of my clients speak to me and they say, Paul, we don't know what's urgent. It seems like for our boss, everything is urgent. Everything is on a hundred. And we end up doing things for people based on whoever screams the loudest. I believe some of you are in that space right now. You're just looking. Who's screaming the loudest? Which child is barking at me the loudest? Which church member is crying out the most? And that's where you run to. But it's not necessarily where Jesus is. I want to challenge you this morning, if you're in a place in your life where you don't really know your purpose, you don't really know what you were created for, where you don't really know what the main thing in your life is, where you're confused about it, and therefore it's affecting your use of time, just stand where you are. I want to pray a strong prayer for you right now. Maybe you are here and you're in a place where you're a people pleaser. You know who you are. You're a people pleaser. People come to you and they manipulate you for more time, more time. And you feel like you're doing a lot of things out of guilt. 
and you find that behind their back you complain and you say this person just wants a piece of me they want a piece of me. but you smile in front of them because you're a people pleaser but you want to make that commitment to the Lord Jesus this morning to say God I want to do what I'm seeing the father doing not on not based on who's screaming the loudest and not based on my guilt just stand where you are you're responding to the word you're responding to the word that's why we stand that's why we respond if you're in that space right now where you're feeling a bit like Moses where you've been carrying this huge load the word of god to you this morning jesus says my burden is light and my yoke is easy if you are here this morning and you've been carrying this huge load and you're like i just need other people to help me with this i want to pray for you just stand where you are i just need other people to help me with this able men people who can help me people who can support me people who are skilled i just need someone else because i'm becoming weary if that's you stand where you are we're going to pray father you know your people we want to use our time to your honor and to your glory we want to be wise people redeeming the time we thank you god this morning that you've given us this gift of time We thank you that we are alive and active right now. We thank you for the health that you've given us. We know that our days are measured. But we also know, Father God, that there's so much you can do in a day with us, in a week with us, in a year with us. And so right now we yield to you and we ask for your help. We ask for your supernatural wisdom. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you free them right now. from the fear of rejection from the fear of man from the man pleasing spirit that says i should and i must when god hasn't said you should and you must i pray for my brothers and sisters who are weighed down by burdens that you have not placed upon them and right now i free you up and i release you to only carry jesus's burden his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Right now I pray for clarity concerning purpose that they may be able to say like the Lord Jesus for this reason the son of man came to undo what the devil had done. I thank you for focus Lord. I thank you for clarity of purpose. I thank you God that in our lives there would be alignment between what you've called us to and how we use every day of our lives. I speak blessing to each person that is here. I thank you God that our daily routine would honor you. In Jesus mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen.